there, listeners, and welcome back for another fantastic episode of Movie Fixers. I'm one of your hosts, Tony, and today we are tackling a movie fix that is certainly going to be our most difficult yet. We've been taking it pretty easy this season for that very reason. But before I get into all that, let me introduce my co-host, upstanding guy, guy who stands up, guy who stands around, and other things that go with stand, it's... Stand by me, Matt. That's me. Hi, everybody, and hi, Tony. How are you feeling about this fabulous episode of Movie Fixers? Uh, for those of you at home that can't see, he just uh, did a facepalm, and it left a mark, and it's pretty great. That was a soccer facepalm. Soccer facepalm. That'll make sense. Maybe never. We don't know. Anyway, suffice it to say, uh, neither of us were super excited for this week's movie, but it had to be done. We already told you guys what movie we'd be doing in our last episode, so there's no use putting it off any longer. Tony, do you want to remind them what we're watching, or should I? Uh, that is two face palms for anyone keeping track at home. Hang in there, buddy. This week, your fixers are tackling The Last Airbender. Uh, Tony, do you want to give the backstory about this one, or more face palms, you think? I guess begrudgingly I should contribute to this. Um, the Last Airbender was written, directed, and produced by one M. Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan? Shyamalan. Thank you. Uh, no offense meant. It was made for Paramount Pictures and Nickelodeon Movies in 2010. It's based on the wildly popular and critically loved TV series called Avatar, The Last Airbender. Dun, 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 dun. Thank you. But unfortunately, this movie adaptation scored a what I would call forgiving 6% on Rotten Tomatoes and was overwhelmingly poorly received by both the fans and creators of the original series. That's right. Even the creators of the original series are like, nope, this is bad. It also underperformed at the box office, but for better or worse, sold well on DVD and digital home release, which is a topic I want to discuss with you in general later. I, I blame the very colorful cover art on the box. It was colorful, and it was shiny and colorful, and I could understand parents being like, that looks like a movie I want to buy for my child. Mm-hmm. Wasn't were, it also released in 3DD? 3D on it was 3D? released in 3DD, which was a very nuanced <laughs> version of 3D at the time. <laughs> Three directional dimensions. Yeah, it was actually, we, we can get into that in a little bit later, but it was rushed to 3D by Paramount Pictures, which caused them to have to cut like 20 minutes of the movie, I think, or maybe more, because mm. um, they just really wanted it in 3D. Anywho, it's also worth noting to our listeners that this original series, Avatar The Last Airbender, is one of our mutual all-time favorite TV shows. We talk about it all the time. We watch it all the time. We've read the comics all the time. The spinoff show, Legend of Korra, all the time. Lots, all the time, all the time, all the time. Yeah. Uh, Matt, I know you talk about this a lot in other podcasts that you are in, but I think it's safe to say I love it equally as much as you, meaning it's one of my top favorite shows. For sure. It's not a competition, but if it were, we would both be winning. Yes. But enough about the amazing show. We're not here to fix what's not broken. Because it's not. It's not broken at (laughs) all. The show's not broken. It's amazing. We're here to fix, or at least try to fix, the movie adaptation, The Last Airbender. And by try to fix, that is to say, we're taking this abysmal wreck of a dilapidated old house <laughs> and seeing if we can turn it into a shelter for a dry evening. One dry evening. It's to all be clear, we're do. not even sure if it's safe enough to walk into. That's how, like, torn down and run down this you house You might is. fall through a basement into the abyss. Who knows? <laughs> um, well, of course, let's start the way we always do uh, with what worked. Uh what doesn't actually need fixing in this case. I know we both struggled with this movie quite a bit, but let's go through as best we can and talk about what, if anything worked in avatar, the last airbender. Nope. Sorry. That's the name of the TV show. <laughs> I'm going to accidentally call it the wrong thing probably a few times. The, the, the TV show is avatar, the last airbender. The movie version is called the last airbender. It was a whole rights issue with the, James Cameron Blue People Avatar movie that came out <laughs> not too long after or before or around the same time. Anyways, Tony, tell us in as few words as possible <laughs> what worked for you in this movie. Nothing. That was as few, I mean honestly the only thing fewer would have been to say no words at all and then I would have had to say hey Tony didn't say anything everybody. Okay, I'll I'll give you one thing and begrudgingly because I use that word. I thought that the kid who plays Ong 
could really troll a bow staff. I thought that was really cool. And I know that's him sending in a tape of him doing that in other martial arts is what got him the role. But specifically just seeing that, I was like, no, that's legit. That that looks good. It, it doesn't increase my enjoyment of the movie at all. But but there, that's my thing. It's important to note that uh, the kid that played Ong, uh, Noah Ringer, I think is his name, got nominated that year for Best Bow Staff Twirling. <laughs> um, well, since you've got so little to say about what this uh, what worked for you in this movie, why don't you actually give us a quick synopsis of the movie, which we have not done yet. So The Last Airbender is really just a summary of the first season, or as they call it, volume of Avatar The Last Airbender. And in that, we discover a new world where the elements can be controlled or what they call bended by certain people. Those elements being earth, <laughs> air, fire, water, but, but no heart. <laughs> yeah. Right. No captain planet in this world, but there is what's called an avatar. An avatar is someone born. Well, they say once per generation, but really there's only one living at a time. And when one passes, a new one is born. But the Avatar can control all four elements. It is a communicator with the spirits of the world. All of this movie in this world has a lot of Asian culture and Asian themes from different countries and different time periods. But the idea is, is if, you, if you've never seen any of this, bending is like magic. You can pick up. If you if you're an earthbender, you can pick up rocks, you can move the earth, you can do cool stuff with it, and how all cool... like with your mind, basically. Yeah, and there's there's That's not motions. really true, but it looks like telekinesis, like... right? Motions are involved. So the creators of the show modeled each type of bending, like the movements you would do, were modeled after different types of martial arts that would mimic their style. So the airbenders have more of a kung fu style. I'm not getting the actual martial art right versus the earthbenders would have more of like a solid stance style. It was mm-hmm. all really well thought out. All I mean, if you have any interest in martial arts, just just look at the animation of the show. If you have any interest in animation, watch the animation of the cartoon. If you have any interest in watching things that are good, then this Do is that a good too. show to check out. I, yeah. Uh, the world is also divided up into the four nations right. based Eat- on those elements. So you have the air nomads, the water tribe, the fire nation, and the earth nation, mm-hmm. which are all, like you said, loosely based on actual earth cultures. So like the earth nation is loosely based on different Chinese cultures. Mm-hmm. Fire nation is based loosely on Japanese cultures, things like that. And I would say as loosely as any race or major race in Star Trek is based on an on a earth culture. Especially in TNG, because especially in TNG, that was a thing. Anyway, I'm trying really hard to get off of this movie, and I can't. So you've got this avatar. His job or her job, because it's not, doesn't matter which uh, gender they identify with, they can control all four elements. They have to learn all four elements from a teacher, just like everybody has to learn from a teacher to learn how to do this, but they can do all four. And the reason for that is, is they're supposed to bring what is called balance to the world. Not unlike how Anakin was supposed to bring balance to the force and the star Wars prequels, but except it makes more sense and works better than it did for him. The idea is, is that this, the, the next avatar born was an airbender named Ang in the movie. He is called Ong. We'll get into that later. And he's 12 when he finds out that he's the avatar, which uh, you know the air nomads they're 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 more spiritual less about worldly possessions or worldly just things happening they're kind of more care I don't want to say carefree but more detached and he's not keen on this because he's going to have to really focus down on what's happening in the world and he's 12 and he's really not ready for all that responsibility so he bails uh he's got uh, the other thing is just real quick he's got a flying bison there are all sorts of mixed species animals in this world you'll hear like a platypus duck and you know a monkey lemur and all these sorts of things if we refer to those it's because there's never any just one type of animal Uh, they're always mixed for fun i mean really i just figured they did it for funsies but he hops on his sky bison and flies away it's this giant big puffy adorable thing but a storm you know happens over the ocean while they're flying and they go down and his survival instincts survival instincts as the avatar kicks in and, and freezes them him and this guy bison in a giant like ball of ice because for 100 years. Yes, because we all know from Captain America that being trapped in ice forever doesn't kill you. It just keeps you looking fresh when you come out. Not when you're the avatar. 
or Captain Steve Rogers, mm-hmm. Captain America. Um, yeah, so it's important to point out that everything that you're t- describing right now, we don't even really see, especially at the beginning of the film. You're getting the intro We right just now. see two characters, Sokka and Katara, brother and sister character in the Water Nation, Water Tribe. Southern Water Tribe. Southern Water Tribe. Um, stumble upon the uh, this ball of ice with this kid and this sky bison in it and mm-hmm. wake him up. And they don't know who he is at first or what's going on, but it becomes quickly apparent that he is the Avatar who's been missing for 100 years. And the Fire Nation... The reason that's apparent is because he looks like an air nomad. And it's been a hundred years since the Fire Nation has started their war. And the first thing they did was basically genocide all the air nomads. Because they knew that the Avatar was in the air nomad tribe. And also they're pretty kick butt, so... hit. We say butt on this show now. Oh, sorry. I guess we can curse (laughs) on this show. But, uh... We've been watching The Good Place. We've been watching The Good Place, so it's been fun like uh, <laughs> replacing profanity with... Kick-ash. They are very kick-ash. And right. I'll stop giving you shirt about all this. You can go ahead and proceed with your <laughs> description. <laughs> and so now, this kid comes out. He's still 12. He has no idea about this war. He's Because he's a nomad, he's lived all over, or he's traveled all over the world, and everything's different now, and it's all kind of his fault, and now he wants to set it right. Q are, I guess, antagonist of volume one in this movie. Zuko, a the son of the leader of the Fire Nation, who you think, oh, pretty powerful guy. Well, A, yes, but B, no. The reason no is because he's been banished from the Fire Nation for reasons that we will learn later. But his job, his goal to remove his banishment is to capture the app, figure out where this avatar is. Because they think the air one's dead, and it always goes down through the elements. So it goes air, water, fire, earth. and Nope, earth, fire. Right, because the one before Aang was, fire, was yeah. Roku. So was now they're fire. searching all the water tribes and things like that. And that's where he's looking, and he gets wind of... And he's purposely looking for like a hundred-year-old person, because that's what they think happened. If they, they think, think, yeah, or or a newly born water person. They, they never really specify, but uh-huh. in the movie. He shows up really fast because of reason. No, I could argue this, but let's not. Matt's shaking his head at my whole, they might be looking for a waterbender, but really, no, they could be. No, I wouldn't be looking for a newborn waterbender. That doesn't make any sense. Well, if we, they wiped out all of the air nomads and a new right, water, right. they'd be looking Less for Less than a hundred-year-old waterbender. We're trying so hard not to stay on topic. It would be so much better not to talk about this movie. And I just mean, the problem is what we keep secretly doing is getting into talking about the show. Yes. <laughs> Anyway, Zuko is his name, is looking for the Avatar. Long story short, figures out there's potential that he's in the Southern Water Tribe, which is really small. It's a small Inuit tribe that, you know, doesn't have much going for it. And for reasons later, we find out it's because they've been assaulted by Fire Nation for so often that they've really not been able to grow. And... Well, and anybody that's shown any bending ability, they mm-hmm. yeah, they're like just squashed. removing all benders that aren't firebenders because they're a potential warrior threat, you know, yep. like you do in some countries. Uh, <laughs> and moving moving right along, we uh, Zuko shows up, finds Ong, and says, "Hey, you better come with me, or I'm going to burn down all this whole village." And Ong. <laughs> Moments like this make me wish we were a video podcast. Yeah. That <laughs> like, was my cat's chasing a bug around the room, and he just bit it jumping off this table. And that was an epic fail jump. I applaud you. All right. So, <laughs> anything other than talking about this movie, right? So, so Ong <laughs> Ong goes with Zuko, but he's an Airbender, and they're not really used to like their abilities. So he escapes. It's important to note that the Fire Nation is the most technologically advanced. They have metal ships where everybody else tends to use like wood, and mm, they're, they're also like steam powered. Yeah, they they definitely have been able to progress a lot in this war that they're winning. And so, you know, Ong decides he's he's picked up by Saren Katar and Katar and Sokka. Uh, off the boat because they take the flying bison whose name is Appa and is adorable and it basically it's just him going like we we can refer to the volume the show volume one because it's just him hitting all the the key story points I call this the movie of exposition because I'm really just giving you the exposition of the show as fast as possible everything that I tell you happens in this movie I have to give you context from the show because I feel like if you don't get that it has no gravity 
gravity. It has no meaning, and that's the problem. Ong basically learns that, oh, all the other air nomads are gone, and oh, yeah. this war is really bad. Him running away and disappearing for 100 years it had a really bad effect on the mm-hmm. world. So they decide to go to the northern water tribe to learn the next element in the cycle because right. they can learn all four elements. And on the way, we get them, because they have to go north to the northern water tribe where there might be benders because they have a good defense. We go across the Earth Kingdom, which they do a montage. We got a montage. Of them going to small Earth Kingdom villages and, you know, freeing them or teaching them to revolt or whatever. It's Earth benders, there's Earth all around you. Just use Earth. To fight back. Because they never thought of that until the Avatar said so. Sure. Thanks, Aang. Mm-hmm. Ong. Ong. And so, yeah, they, they get there. They He starts learning some water, but he's also really... In the movie, he seems really scared about his power. I mean, the Avatar is like a natural at all the elements, where some people have to train a lot, and some people have like an earned ability, just like in real life, to bend elements, except for the bending and elements part. They just have an ability. He's got the innate ability. He can pick it up fast, but he's really nervous, too. And that's something I sort of noticed. But, yeah, in the end, the Fire Nation, all of Fire Nation learns he's there. There's an attack from General Zhao. Zhao. Yeah. The uh, conqueror. Who, who doesn't want Zuko to get... Zuko's got to kind of sneak in because he's sort of a rebel of the Fire Nation because, again, he's banished. He's sneaking into the water, Northern Water Tribe, which is, again, super fortified to steal Ong and, and capture him for himself. While he's trying to restore his honor. Yeah. And while the Fire Nation has got this big, you know, army coming in and they're going to do a full-on assault with a whole you know, strategic plan and Ong has to figure out how to defeat them. So he goes into their spiritual place. They got one of those like you do. And he talks to the spirits and this dragon voiced by John Noble, who does Denethor and Lord of the Rings and uh, Walter and Fringe tells him use water bending. It's pretty much what he said, right? Yeah, use water I mean, bending. He's, he says, he says, show them the power of water. Right, right. Which is super, I think, kind of vague. But he's like, he comes out of his spirit world, like meditation and says like, oh man, I just got to use water. Bending. I should use one. So he, he runs through the battle using quick water bending on some of the soldiers. Uh, there's a little bit more to it, but I'm skipping a lot because who cares? Well, he, we got to. Yeah, <laughs> he runs. I've already made this take too long. He runs through the battle using a little bit of water bending to stop soldiers from killing other soldiers. And then he plants up on the wall. I mean, the two water nation tribes are basically unlike like if you you look at a a map of earth there's like antarctica on top and antarctica on bottom and it's all just ice glaciers so the the fire nation came in boats they're all on the water he just creates a big wave fire nation's like oh that's a big wave and turns around you ever seen that movie the perfect storm yeah that was a much better it's like that if it didn't sink a single boat (laughs) and it had more george clooney in it you know Suffice it to say, this is a very poor summation of what happened in like a 24 I mean, episode arc. That's the of gist of TV. it. The, uh, yeah. For the movie, anyways, this kid realizes that he was gone for too long. The world's kind of shit. He's got to take his place as the Avatar and fix it. And fix it. And that's the gist of it. This movie ends with a very clear setup for a sequel because mm-hmm. the original show was three seasons, three books is what they call them, but three seasons. Or volumes. And they, like you said, they clearly were trying to get each season into one movie which is a horrible and, idea you know it just didn't quite go the way that it could have so matt why didn't this work even it, referring as little as possible to the show why did the movie just not work at all well to before we get there i just oh. we 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 we, were, we talked a little bit ago a little bit ago about what worked uh, I know you found nothing to have worked. You and I disagreed on this point just a hair. I actually liked some of the production value of the movie. I thought uh, some of the costuming was actually really good and did a great job of interpreting what was in the original source material. I thought some of the visual effects for like landscapes, like uh, locations, I actually really liked quite a bit, uh, particularly the way they designed like the air temple things like that. Now the the flip side is there were some visual effects that sucked, you know, and there were some locations that totally sucked and there were some costumes that totally sucked, but there were a handful of things that didn't totally suck for me. And they were mostly production related. Um, that said, what, what didn't work, the list would be longer than a whole episode to be very honest. Um, Casting, I think, was by far the biggest mistake in this movie. 
Um, there was a lot of controversy when this movie came out about whitewashing, and it's that's that's directly linked to the fact that the show that it's based on is clearly basing these different cultures on real world cultures. Like I said before, Chinese cultures, um, Japanese cultures, things like that. So can you explain whitewashing for us? Yes. Uh, whitewashing, white, whitewashing is typically like in an adaptation of some sort, taking a traditionally character of color, a Japanese character, a Chinese character, an African-American character, you know, just basically anything non-white and casting a white person in that role. Um, it happens a lot. Uh, we talked about Short Circuit a couple episodes ago, casting um, Fisher Stevens in an Indian role, like those sorts of things. That's considered whitewashing. To be clear, they did not have the white actors put on accents. They just, we had Sock and Guitar, who are part of the Southern Water Tribe, which was an Inuit tribe, just right. be part of that. But which they is were extra crazy because, like, the these two very white actors playing these characters. Whereas the, the the extras, like the background actors in the scenes in the Southern Water Tribe are very clearly uh, actors of color. And there were a lot of Inuit. I, th I think Inuit's the right word. Man, I hope it is. If uh, not, yo, man, I feel super bad about hey, it. Hey, this is the place to tell us. We do, we're do. we a couple white guys trying to be as sensitive as we can. If sure. we fail, let us know. I, I feel like that's something specifically I've read about the Water Tribe. But if I'm wrong, then mm -hmm. by all means, let us know. And we're sorry about that. Um, so yeah, okay. but but aside from the whitewashing element of the casting, the the biggest casting faux pas to me was that our main character Ang, who is pronounced Ong in this movie, was cast off of a, an audition video sent in showing off his martial arts abilities. Now he he clearly I think has some very strong um, talent in that field in martial arts but he was not a very good actor and unfortunately he has to he has to carry the movie yeah and it wasn't just him there were you know jackson rathbone who plays Sokka. i don't even think he's a bad actor necessarily i just think he did a terrible job with this he didn't really um i don't know he didn't really personify the character mm -hmm. of Sokka or soka again all the character names in this got kind of screwed around pronunciation wise I think it's fair to say that while we normally try not to compare a movie to its source material, for something like The Last Airbender, it's really hard not to. Because even if you've never seen the show, this is literally just trying to give you the highlights that came from the show. Mm -hmm. So one of the highlights of the show was that Sokka was a character of growth. He was very, very close-minded, very you know, I'm from this one place and I'm a man and I'm kind of, or, you know, young boy, but he was, you know, a man of his age. He's, a, he's an older boy trying mm -hmm. to prove himself as a man. And he travels the world and learns not just more about himself, but more about the world and the people he's with. And he is also not just this scrunchy faced, serious warrior type. He, he wants to have fun. He's excited. He's energetic. And, you, know, you can argue it was a movie, they didn't have time to do these things, but the fact of the matter is is that the personality of Sokka, or Soka, as he's called in the movie, whether it needs to be like the show or just needs to be developed, period, it didn't happen. Right. And Sokka in the original series is is the ongoing comedic relief. And the heart. And the heart, yeah. So He's heart. Um, but there's, there's no comedic relief in this movie. For for a movie that's based on, you know, what is debatably like a kids show, right? There's no there's it lacks humor. There's nothing. There's no relief. Everybody's really serious all the time. Nobody's smiling, uh, and that's just I don't know. It, it's kind of missing the point, and missing the tone. There are serious tones in the show, and that's actually what gives it gravitas. For sure. But the problem was, is, is, is you just take the gravitas out and try to make a movie out of that, it fails. Because why well, would it? Because then care? the serious tones don't even work anymore. All the all the moments in this movie that were supposed to be serious and supposed to make you feel something, you you couldn't because everyone's face is all scrunched up and super serious, and it, it just doesn't work. It, the casting was all wrong in this movie from top to bottom, completely wrong. The closest I'd say is, is maybe Dev Patel's Zuko, but even he, I feel was just kind of like drowning in that role. 
Yeah, and I, I'll go so far as to say not all of the casting was necessarily the bad choice, but the writing, and, and, and not even mm. the writing, the choice of what to show from the original content because that's really I'm just going to keep banging on this that's all they did was grab the key moments from the original content and just throw that into a movie yeah you were telling me in the trivia right that his first draft M. Night's first draft of the screenplay was was it 300 pages long or was it 30 hours long what was it it yeah it was yeah over 300 pages and had I can pull up the exact numbers if you need but it, it would have run longer than the Lord of the Rings trilogy if they tried to make it into a movie. And that's because he was basically just trying to recreate the show. Yeah, every single moment from season one of the show. And that's not really how you adapt something. Oh, and exactly. That's not an adaptation. So what is there anything else that didn't work that we want to touch on right now? I mean, there's a lot of stuff I'm, a, as a fan, just bitter about, but I just, I, it's hard to see the point. We, every part of this movie, I just, I just feel like, grr, because you know, from the pronunciation of the characters' names being changed slightly, mm-hmm. which was just awkward, and again, shouldn't be a big deal, to just the effects when you're, when you're watching the animation, when they do air bending or any of the the element bending it's a martial arts move so a punch generates the action versus this one it's like this whole dance it's like a charge up dance to do one thing and it just feels impractical versus there was there is a practicality in the show so that i mean that's the problem if i were watching but i think if i were watching this separate of, of ever seeing the the actual show i would still think this seems impractical this makes no sense well and i've talked to people in in the you know decades since this movie came out that had never seen the original show and i gotten mixed responses from eh, it was all right to people that just did not like it at all and i would i would ask them like what did you not like about it and a lot of it again is casting they talk about they talk about how like all the actors seemed kind of young and well not young but um green you mm-hmm. know like they were all first time actors which was not necessarily the case except for the main actor um, and like like you just said, the way they portrayed bending, which is the coolest part of this whole universe, is is this air bending, water bending, fire bending, all of this. The way they portray it is very like the ribbon dancer commercials from the '90s, <laughs> and then you get one little poof of air, and that that's just not only is that not how it worked in the show, it just is visually unsatisfying. I think even for a first time viewer, right? And I think the last thing overall speaking is because this was trying to just replicate the source material 99% of this movie was exposition and what I mean by that is every time something would happen some character would give you a long explanation of why that's important because you don't know unless you've seen the show so everybody who's seen the show is just getting bored because they're getting told stuff they already know and everybody who hasn't seen the show is getting bored because they're just getting told stuff yeah, we talk a lot in previous episodes, and this is something you and I talk about in movies all the time, because it's something they teach you in every screenwriting class in film school on the planet, is to show, don't tell. This movie was constantly telling us everything. It had Instead to. of just showing us things. If, there it, were... if it didn't, nothing would have any meaning to an audience who's never seen it before, and that's the biggest problem, is they just gutted parts of the show out and turned it into a movie. Right. Well, we could honestly go on and make a whole episode of just what flopped in this movie, but our listeners are here for a fix. I know it's going to be a challenge with this one, but I'm sure we can come up with something. What are our thoughts on a fix for this movie? I, I you know, listener, longtime listeners, all six episodes, uh, <laughs> know that we try and play by the rules of maintaining as much of the original as possible, and in this case, the actual movie, not the original series maintaining as much of the the actual movie as possible and changing as little as possible to just make it a better movie. What What's our fix for this one? All right, so I'm going to start large concept. I want to start large concept and go maybe in more detail as we get there. Because one of the things you and I talked about, because we watched this, this is the first movie we watch, we've rewatched together. And had a little bit of discussion for it. I think the reason being so we don't just keep going into all the little minutiae because we could be on this forever. But 
I think one of the things that this could have benefited from is not trying to do an entire volume of the show in one movie. And I think that there are, even the show has its like mid-season right. peak that's a great climax to kind of stop on. Mm-hmm. And that could have been the movie and that could have been the hook because this was obviously designed to be a franchise of films. It was never going to be a standalone. So I would say don't go into it trying to make it any sort of standalone, which means that you can spend more time on the details of the world building in the first one. I mean, just like if you've ever read The Lord of the Rings, it was technically released in six parts, not three. And it's technically one story. So why can't we do that with The Last Airbender? For sure. So um, for people unfamiliar with the show, season one, book one of the show was 22 episodes long. They're about 22 minute episodes. Um, in the movie, they they pretty much cover the entirety of book one you know, at some breakneck pace. <laughs> at glossing over a few things. Um, we talked about this when we were watching the movie. What was the midpoint in book one that we talked about them stopping at? So there, in this, there's a point in the movie where we actually see this, but at one point the Avatar, before reaching the Northern Water Tribe, gets captured by General Zhao and held oh, captive. Right. Well, this is bad for Zuko, the other antagonist who needs to capture he him needs himself. He the one to capture him, to so take him back to his father and regain his honor. He dons a disguise... A really cool looking disguise, wields these dual swords, doesn't firebend, and breaks Aang slash Ong out of this prison, and they have to fight their way out together. And their combined strength is really cool to watch in the show. It's really just epic. And the big reveal to Aang is, is when... Uh, it's maybe the most watchable part of the movie, to be honest. Close. And the biggest thing, the big reveal for Aang is, is right as they're getting away... Like this really cool sniper archer guy fires an arrow and it hits Zuko's mask and knocks Zuko out. Doesn't kill him, but the impact's enough to knock him out and break the mask. And Ong learns that it's Zuko who just saved him. And now he's... Confl- this guy who's been chasing him, trying to capture him. Right. The only person he's really run into up until now. So he's conflicted right there in the moment as they're being, as they're just about to get away, but still being chased down. Does he save him? Does he not save him? He agrees to save him. Um, I hate to say this, but in the show, there's this really good speech once they've gotten away and Zuko wakes up where Aang talks about how he's traveled the world and he went to the Fire Nation and he had a friend there and wonders in another life if he and Zuko could be friends and Zuko's response is to shoot a fireball at him. But and you sort of see that in the in the movie. Again, they don't of all the times to have dialogue. They choose to have none. Sure. But that could have been I mean, not right there in the movie roll credits, but that could have been the end of you know, act two, and now we've got our downward action for act three, mm-hmm. which, you know, Aang's resolve to just reach the Northern Water Temple and get get on being the Avatar needs to be a thing. Because Aang's sort of in the, in the show, Aang's sort of in denial about being the Avatar. I mean, I'm, I can't, I have to reference the show because anything I say is going to be stealing from it. Because it's already developed. It's already there. The blueprints for for a mansion exist. But the problem is, is that they build, they built this, this shack instead. And so I would say you would have so much more time to invest on the characters and who they are and their growth through what should have been a franchise if you would have just started with their first iteration and trying to see all of this growth at once. It, it, it suffers from the, the DC Universe problem of wanting to rush your franchise out, which is funny because this like started at the beginning. It was, what was this, 2010? Mm-hmm. So like... Iron Man had just come out. Like nobody knew what a franchise was. This could have been the other example of a movie franchise. Yeah, I think uh, Iron Man came out in '08. This would, I think, Iron Man two would have been coming out at this point. Right, and that would have just been considered a sequel. Nobody sure. was ready for the what they're doing. <laughs> the Marvel universe that mm-hmm. we now know of. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I think I think they just tried to get too much in um, to this movie. And I don't know. I think they they could have made one movie for one book. I think it would have still suffered from like too much crammed in there, and they would have had to omit a lot more and probably synthesize some characters. And I hate when movies do that. But 
I, I love your idea of breaking these three, uh, these three books, these three stories into six movies, you know, and like you said, it's not unheard of. Other franchises have done this before. It would have served their property better. It would have ultimately made them more money. The Hobbit was three movies, and that was the sh- that book was shorter than one half of any of the actual <laughs> Lord of the Rings books. Yeah, I feel like that was the that that's an example of doing it right, in my opinion. They mm. did that horribly wrong, but it was it's mm. doable and it's possible. It was just a lack of commitment between Paramount and Nickelodeon, and, and they're just rushed to get something out. Yeah, well, and l- like we mentioned earlier in the podcast. Um, in the trivia, they talk about how they they they'd obviously shot more of this movie and rushed it through their post production to get it converted to three D. And I just it feels like it was kind of mishandled the whole way through. So dividing it up, honestly, the it's funny because as much as we talk about all these things that they got wrong in the movie, you know, music being not quite right, costumes being not quite right, you know, even the actors being not right. If the script had just been stronger, mm-hmm. you know, because M. Night wrote, directed and produced this and he he strikes me as one of those those filmmakers that maybe just has too much control over his projects. There's not enough people. We've talked about this before. There's not enough people telling him no to certain things. And I think in this case, a different writer could have done a much better job and with a better script, things like subpar acting and sloppy sets and music that doesn't quite work could have been a lot more forgivable. I mean, this could have been instead of a bad movie, it could have just been a mediocre movie or at least a fan service movie. Cause the problem, I think the, the final like nail in the coffin of this movie and the reason it didn't become a franchise was is because it had an active, strong fan base. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when- you and I went, to the opening night in costume. I mean, mm-hmm. that we're fans. Like we're we're not. <laughs> that's not hyperbole. We're we're fans. We're big fans of this property. And we are by far not the only ones. Oh, for sure. So the idea that the fan base pulled out at movie one shows that you didn't even respect the fan base. And it, again, it's the little stuff. It's the the change in pronunciation of names. Despite the reasoning, it it just sort of. Th- throws everything off it's it's the lack of all the elements that the fans love and i know we're we try not to just replicate the source material that we love same with timeline it was a great book we didn't want to just copy the book but this movie did not do anything to individualize itself from the content in fact i feel like it worked harder to just duplicate the content and it failed at that so as a yeah. fan i'm very frustrated sure well you're i mean you make a really good point it even more than most adaptations was trying like, and that's obvious, not just in the like, all right, scene for scene, but in some of the costuming decisions look like they were just trying to recreate exactly what was in the original something series. drawn in a cartoon and in case. We haven't mentioned it. The original series is animated. And so sometimes things that work really well in animation don't play the same way in live action. No. So just trying to replicate it as close as possible isn't necessarily the answer for adaptations. And this should be a warning to fans of any sort of content. And again, we can talk about this more in another podcast, but never get too rigid on your interpretation of something you love because when it's just replicated for the big screen, even if it's just, you know, punched right out, I mean, Watchmen would be my other example Mm -hmm. of just taking the comic and replicating it into a film, it doesn't translate the same way. There has to be changes. The question is, is do they stay true to the heart of the content? And Last Airbender did not. It completely forgot about the heart of the content to just give you like a visual. And, you know, we need to talk one day about where the buck stops, where who, who gets the blame. You, you mentioned acting in this one. I'm more angry or I say, pardon me, I would pass the blame more to the writing than the acting in this one. But that's that's a bigger conversation. But the point mm-hmm. is, is that if you're so demanding to just see a replica replication of whatever you love in a new media form, exactly, you're probably going to end up being disappointed. Yeah. 
You talk about where the buck stops. Um, I think so. Ben, our friend Ben, who's a loyal listener of the show. Hi, Ben. He watched this with us, which was so gracious of him. Uh, he asked us at the end, like where we thought the buck stopped with this movie. And I think you you can't reduce M. Knight's contribution to this movie. He didn't just direct it. You know, he didn't just write it. He didn't, you know, it was no, he never, he didn't do just one thing on this movie. He wrote it, he directed it, he produced it. He went through the interviews in the circuit of interviews talking about, you know, how he was such a huge fan and like he, he sought out this gig from Nickelodeon. And so you, you can't get away from the fact that like he, he did this, who did this to us? He did this to us. (laughs) Right. And yeah, I guess I don't know, Matt. I know we try to stay positive in this one, but we're mm-hmm. we're obviously very emotional about it to this day. And watching through it again, I got emotional about it. M. Knight's not a bad person. He has made some good films. Sure. I mean, but he, he did sign, uh, Signs. He did Sixth Sense, which you know a lot of people consider a really great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked Signs myself. I loved Unbreakable. I'm a big fan of Unbreakable. Um, he just recently did uh, Split with James McAvoy, which, you know, come to find out, semi-spoiler for you it turns out to be a sequel or like a sidequel to unbreakable and Mm -hmm. then there's a third movie coming out that ties both of those movies together so that's kind of exciting and i'm interested to see all of those so i just don't want to see him make another last Airbender. no no he's done with that he he had his chance and one day we'll have our chance and we'll make it better no i'm just kidding (laughs) right i can't i can't wait to make the hbo limited edition live action version of this show so we, we've done a big overview of what we would fix. It's not super helpful indeed. Is there any detail, anything more specific you would say? I would say that the bending would... God, I'm just again, I'm just going to copy the show. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm not going to be creative. But I would love to see more of a kung fu movie style, like the cliche kung fu movie style and the fighting concepts, wide angles, actual martial artists, and then you just add the effects in over that because that's what made it cool was how creative could a bender get with like earth you know you think ang's really great as an airbender and unbeatable until he fights the first earth master who just kind of shows mm-hmm. when when may eventually wear down rock but it ain't gonna do it in the middle of a fight like right it's it was just so clever and, and like you could do like wires and you could do like and you could throw in all the effects afterwards. They could just be punching air at each other and play and pretend. I mean, they shoot. They do it in Star Wars. And, and OK, bad example. But I mean, like some of the Star Wars are good. Some of the fighting's good in Star Wars. Yeah. No, you're not wrong about that. Star Wars has its fun moments. I don't know. You, you said what little things could be changed in this. You know, you, when you and I watched this again. We talked a lot about the casting and a lot about the uh, writing, but even the the editing was really weak in this, you know, and, and I think a lot of that stems from them having, you know, cut at the last minute, like 20 minutes of the movie for, for post-production 3D conversion. Mm-hmm. But just a lot of scenes just like, all right, I guess we're done with that scene. We're done talking now. We're going to go to the next scene really oh, abruptly. God, yes. That happens a handful of times in the movie. And I don't know. Did, it's so weird because this is one of the this is the first movie we've done on this show where it doesn't feel terribly salvageable. No, but it feels like all the more, though, it could be. I mean, our whole purpose is to take something that could have been good and talk about what could have been how this could have been enjoyable and not just miserable to watch. Yeah. And in this one more than anything we've done so far, I feel like could have been an enjoyable movie. And I want to talk about this again. I keep saying things I want to talk about later in more detail, but one of the other things is why the medium of a movie works. It, it brings in the biggest audience. It's hard for people to binge everyone to binge watch a show. It, it takes more time. It's hard for everyone to read a book series. It takes, especially if you read as slow as I do more time. A movie is a, fixed amount of time and it's shorter than all those other things I mentioned Mm -hmm. and well and a lot of big release movies are a zeitgeist like you know when a Marvel film comes out everyone sees it so like everyone gets to talk about it everybody Mm -hmm. gets to consume it usually around the same time so I think it's important that this franchise be made into a movie to take what was great about it and share that with as many people as possible and that's what I want to do and what was what was great about this show was I mean if you watch the beginning of it 
it's going to feel very Nickelodeon. It's going to be very kind of kiddie and fun. But there's the evolution of they're not going to talk down to you. They if, if they're not going to talk down to the issues. There's a war going on, and it's not just going to be this bleak, horrible thing. But it's going to talk about the effects of of war on a nation, on multiple nations, on people. It's going to talk about you know all sorts of things and not play down the issue. Ang the Avatar is not just going to come in and poof, make it better. He's going to fix some things and some things are going to be worse and he's going to have to leave because he's he's bringing some of that with him as he's being chased and he's feeling the weight of that and it changes him and the people around him over the course of the show. That evolution can still be shown in the film. That's the heart of it is that it it it's happy. It doesn't lose hope. Hope's like a big word they use in it a lot and why it doesn't lose hope, but it also doesn't dumb down or talk down the actual issues happening. And that's something that can be done and reach a larger audience and inspire. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's why sometimes like children's shows, I say children, meaning the target audience says it's meant for children are the best because they don't start out or they don't stay gritty or depressing or Dark is a big favorite word people like to use to be believable. No, they're believable in the sense that they acknowledge issues are real. Issues happen and we don't have a fix for everything. So on that note, (laughs) you have a line. I don't know, Matt. Do you think we we fix this? Can we sleep under this this tent tonight and Can feel good about ourselves? Under this tent, this oh. shelter that we've we've built out of this dilapidated house. Do you yeah, feel like we've done we've it? We've evacuated the house that's that's still caving in, and we've just set up a a quick pup tent next we've, to it. We've reinforced the beams. I don't know. I feel like I feel like we haven't done enough, but to do more would be to basically rewrite this entire thing. Which I'm not opposed to, listeners. But do you really want to hear me read out an entire script? Yeah, let's, let's unfortunately, this this comes down to a, a scrap and rebuild. I mean, that's the, the 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 cold hard truth of this one is it's scrap and rebuild. Bulldoze it to the ground. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us, listeners. Let us know what you think of our fix for the last Airbender in the comments. You can also send us messages on Facebook or an email at contact at onlyontsd.com. We would love to hear from you. We've actually heard from some of you, which was very surprising. It was a surprise. What did we hear, Tone? <laughs> Uh, well, we got a lot of great feedback from Kurt. And Kurt, I'm going to try and get your last name right. I apologize. Raywinkle? That sounds like a name. All right. Uh, again, Kurt, sorry about that if I got the name wrong. But you you hit us back. Seems like you've been binging the uh, podcast, which first of all, I'm sorry. And second of all, thank you. That's awesome. Uh, you gave us some interesting feedback on what you thought about uh, Short Circuit, which... Uh, I'm going to read some of your email here. It says, just a fan who sits here shaking my head in 90% agreement. Man, Kurt, I love that. No. 90% <laughs> is so high. I, yeah. I That is so unexpected. Uh, I think that's a little forgiving. But no, you, you went into a lot of great things here. And I want to go into it in more detail. But I feel like I need to meet you. We need to have a drink and just talk it through. You also talked about Snatched, which uh, you're right. was uh, I, I kind of like where you were going with that, too. I also... Uh, I also like where I went with that, which you did too. I don't know. Kurt seems to agree with this and then have his own mind. You seem like a strong individual and you're great. <laughs> uh, we, we talked to in person, uh, Ben, who was really great to just sit through avatar with us, but everyone feel free to email us. Matt, where do they email us? Uh, they can email us. Like I said, at contact at only on com, or they can send us a Facebook message that works as well. Mm-hmm. And we will try and if we don't reply directly, we'll try and mention some of your comments in this podcast and go into more detail or if we ever see you in person uh, because you listen to the if you listen to all the podcasts we will buy you a drink i think that's safe to say if you and just a shot us, a drink and a shot. drink and a that shot that is our promise to you and discuss anything you want about movies uh, <laughs> nothing else but movies speaking of tony do you want to tell everyone what our next movie is that we're going to be fixing yes but also matt will give you relationship advice he's really good at that so i'm you, honestly like super good at that he is so so you know try and find us oh the movie we're doing oh wow is this sorry i'm looking at the, this is really what we're doing next <laughs> i love that you're just now reading this <laughs> yeah that's the next episode oh boy okay so apparently we decided to take it easy for the first half of this block and now we're going to get into it <laughs> we are going to get into controversy here. This movie is barely a year old. It's not even a year old. 
It's not even a year old. You're right. All right, everybody. We are going to do another Star Wars movie. And uh, no, not Solo. I had fun with that movie. But we are going to do The Last Jedi, which, while I think is hardly the worst Star Wars movie ever, is definitely the one getting the buzz right now for the most controversial. It's very divisive. Uh, People really come down on I liked it a lot or worst Star Wars movie ever seems to be the 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 predominant feedback mm. we've gotten on this. What was your just one sentence initial take on it? Um, I you know you and I have talked about this movie a couple times already. Uh, I liked the movie. I know we've talked about it. this is for the audience. Right, right, right. I I I liked the movie to be honest. I I don't know. I've kind of fallen out of love with the Star Wars movies over time. Mm. So my going into this, my expectations were low. My needs from the movie were low. So I came out of it having a good time. I didn't really worry about messing with canon or what, you know, people deemed to be true Star Wars or not true Star Wars because to me a lot of that a lot of that died inside me and when the <laughs> when the prequel trilogy came out. So I don't I I wasn't super bothered by it, but I've heard some very interesting critiques from you and other people that I'm uh, I'm really excited to address when we get into this episode. Me too. I'm more interested to hear what you think because I'm going to be honest, audience, I am not going to let up about the technical, and I use technical in the sci-fi-ins term, issues I had with this movie. The way they use their tech, the way they use their ships, the way they do everything just seemed like they didn't care about an entire universe that they'd established before. That's my quick one sentence take. Also, I would give the movie a 6 out of 10, so I'd say it was better, it was above average. Still, all of my complaints going into it, it was still above average. And we'll get into why I think that in the next episode, as well as many other things you probably just don't care about as much as I do. Sounds good to me. We'll be going from Last Airbender to Last Jedi on the next episode of Movie Fixers. As always, thanks for listening, everybody. I'm detecting a trend. Are we doing Last of the Mohicans after this? Ooh, the only way I'd fix that is just shorter, maybe. Is that maybe like five hours long? I can't remember. Uh, as always, thanks for listening, everyone. I am Matt. And I am Tony. And we're the Movie Fixers. We will see you next time on Movie Fixers. Bye.